Welcome, welcome back. Maybe Brackman here with Truths, Jewish Wisdom for today. Please leave a review or subscribe, whether it's on YouTube or wherever you listen to the podcast. Leave a review, subscribe. It means that other people will be able to find this podcast. This is the final episode of this season. And in this season, I spent every single episode in conversation with other people, trying to learn from them. And I hope that you learned from them as well. So I'm going to do a look back and a review of the people I spoke to and some key takeaways for me. And then also talking about what's in store in the next season of the podcast. So I started off this season with the idea that I wanted to have conversations with interesting people who had thought differently about things, who would teach me something and who I felt probably bought into this idea of truths rather than the truth. And I wasn't disappointed. As a matter of fact, I found more people than I thought who actually buy into this and some of them from really interesting places. The 10 people who I interviewed, Rabbi Dr. Zev Faber, JJ Kimchi, Professor Daniel Reinhold, Zevi Slavin, Dan Rickman, Mark Oppenheimer, Rabbi Professor Don Seaman, Rabbi Professor Michael Broid, Rabbi Ruven Stepsky, and Rabbi Eliyahu Fink. And I want to just review each one of them and my key takeaways from each one of them. So I started off with Zevi Slavin. Zevi gave a full-throated promotion of the Kabbalistic perspective rather than the arch-rationalistic perspective. So he seemed to believe in being able to transcend the rational and live in a world where the rational no longer takes hold and in a world where you have opposites which can coexist at the same time. And that was my takeaway from him, that he was rejecting the rational and trying to live in the not just post-rational, but meta-rational and in the Kabbalistic and mystical realm. Now, I personally don't necessarily think that the two are contradictory in any kind of way. Neither am I saying that he thought so. But I do believe that one needs to be grounded in the rational. And when I asked him questions related to statistics and rules of the universe, he seemed to say that, well, one doesn't need to have those rules because one can live in a world where one transcends those rules. And my sense is that a balance is needed. Yes, one can aspire to try and live in a metaphysical world and live a life where metaphysics is really important, but one has to still necessarily be grounded in the universe as it exists. I spoke to Rabbi Dr. Zev Farber, who's editor of the Torah.com and works for the Shalom Hartman Institute. And he really gave a full-throated defense of this idea that the Torah and religion contains truths rather than the truth and really shouldn't compete with science at all, but rather should allow science to be science and allow religion to be religion. And he spoke very passionately against this idea of gatekeeping and, to paraphrase him, this tribalism of who's in and who's out and spoke for a much more inclusive and non-dogmatic religion. Then we spoke to Daniel Reinhold. Daniel was my former teacher and he spoke about the priority of practice and the priority of theory, ta'ameha mitzvot, and his idea that 
you can really only get to appreciate the mitzvot through practice. So by practicing the mitzvot, you gain a specific understanding and insight into what they are, which you wouldn't get if you didn't practice them. This is me paraphrasing him, that the way in which you can get a rational understanding of the mitzvot is mainly through practicing them. And then they become much more understandable after you've practiced them. And it's difficult to understand them without practicing them. And they might not seem as rational without practicing them. Once you've practiced them, then they now have a certain kind of, aha, okay, now I get it. He also spoke fascinatingly about the idea of Torah from an aesthetic perspective. So Torah as a story and literature, which doesn't have to necessarily have in it the type of empirical truth that science would have, but it's more of an aesthetic type of truth that it's trying to convey. So the Torah as art, or the Torah from an aesthetic perspective, was also what he discussed. That was incredibly interesting. We had J.J. Kimchi. He is a, a PhD candidate at Harvard University and someone who studies modern Jewish philosophy. We spoke about Louis Jacobs and we spoke about what is heresy and, and what would be considered pushing the limits and what is what defines orthodoxy today. And we discussed what it would take to create a new and modern day guide to the perplexed. That was a fascinating conversation. We talked also to Dan Rickman. Dan is a proponent of humanistic Orthodox Judaism, where he believes in a rationalistic approach and one which is much more empathetic to others and one which is much more academic in nature. We spoke to Mark Oppenheimer. We discussed his perception of Jews being a family who really care and obsess in some kind of way over this book called the Torah. One of the things that stood out to me from that conversation was him saying that because we're the people of the Torah and we care about this book so much, whenever Jews get together, they should say something from that book, a Dvar Torah. He also discussed how perhaps non-Orthodox Judaism does not have a future and Orthodox Judaism will thrive. We spoke to Rabbi Professor Don Seaman and we discussed theology and the idea that Judaism, he thinks today, is highly rationalistic and as such could become, in his terms, a dry branch. And his idea that uh, we should have more theology and more discussion about theology, although he was pretty conservative in how to define orthodoxy and he wanted to make sure that we're defining what orthodoxy is and what orthodoxy isn't. My impression of that is at some point that breaks down because on the one hand, he wants to have a theology. On the other hand, he wants to make sure that the boundaries of orthodoxy are very clear and demarcated. But to find where they are in an evolving religion, I think we struggle to actually find that. We also had a conversation with Eliyahu Fink. He's a former rabbi, now business person. And he was a very successful rabbi when he was a rabbi. And she brought this idea of meeting Jews where they are. And there was a story which he told about him trying to get people together for a stone setting or was it some kind of a, a commemoration of a person who passed away. And when Orthodox Jews found that that person wasn't necessarily a relative of the person, therefore didn't have to say Kaddish, 
they didn't necessarily want to come to participate, where the people who weren't Orthodox, they were more than happy to come. His idea was that Judaism doesn't have to necessarily be so much about brownie points, but much more about having empathy and the idea that meeting Jews where they are and not imposing upon them one's own truth. We had Rabbi Professor Michael Broid, who's a POSEC and was on the Beth Din of America. And he, he spoke about how halacha, Jewish law, has evolved. I think he has a very halachic-centric approach to his Judaism. But he does admit that there are certain things which change within halacha. And he was given the framework through which those things change. Very different to what you hear out there where some people, I heard this new term today, something called uh, Mishnah Brewer Orthodoxy, whatever that means. But whenever you want to take and canonize Jewish law in, through one book and say, this is what it is, and this is what it's going to be, no matter what, for the future, and then say, this is Mishnah Brewer Orthodoxy, and this is the normative approach, and anyone else is not really within the fold. I think that is itself problematic. And uh, Rabbi Michael Broid really showed that in the conversation we had together. And then finally, I had a conversation with Rabbi Ruvain Stepsky. He really blew me away with his uh, meditation and visualization of God, specifically that he wanted to visualize God in the physical. And although he said, obviously, God isn't physical, and he made that clear that he doesn't believe that God is physical, but he was quoting the Ish Kodesh, that one is able to, to start off, and actually Don Seaman also quoted this, to visualize God in the physical, and that's something which he does on a Friday night, when he welcomes in the Shabbat, the Shabbat bright, he says, and he envisions God in the form of a bride. Maimonides, I think, wouldn't necessarily appreciate that, but this kind of visualization, and connecting to God through visualization, was something that loomed very large for Rabbi Stepsky. So these were the 10 people who, who we spoke to in the course of this season of the podcast. It was a really good mix. There were other people who I wanted to talk to, but unfortunately we weren't able to line up schedules and perhaps in the future. But I want to give a little bit of my take, if you like, of all these conversations, because really I didn't go into this with any kind of expectation. I didn't think this is what I would hear. I did want to talk to people who would surprise me. I wasn't interested in talking to people who had a party line which they wanted to convey. I wanted to talk to people who had been thoughtful, thought through their own positions, and were able to present them with this cast. At least I wasn't at all disappointed because each one of them was a robust conversation and one which I learned a tremendous amount from. And... Because I also edit this podcast, I listened back to each one of them and I learned more. I found myself learning more as I listened to the podcast again because these are people who have great depth in them and their words are deliberate. And I learned a lot from listening back. I listened to it the first time when they spoke. And then when I listened back again, I learned even more because I was able to pick up on the nuance of what my guests that I was conversing with were trying to tell me. So there was a tremendous amount of depth. And if you haven't listened to all the episodes of the podcast, I recommend you go back and listen to them because there's a tremendous amount there. And a lot of them surprised me with what they and their, their contentions. These are all people, with the exception of one, who all consider themselves to be Orthodox Jews. 
of one type or another. But one thing I can say is that none of them had the same ideas of really what it meant to be orthodox. They certainly didn't have the same fundamental beliefs as it relates to theology. They didn't even necessarily have the same beliefs of what the Torah is. Some people thought the Torah was art. We had a couple people, uh, Eliyahu Fink, who considers the Torah as art. And we also had Daniel Reinhold, who considers and spoke about the aesthetic approach to the Torah. We had people who didn't have the same appreciation of what it means when we say the word God and how they define God or how what halacha is defined as or what orthodoxy is defined as. Everyone came with their own approach. So there are so many different approaches here within all these different people who consider themselves to be orthodox. It really becomes clear to me that in practice, orthodoxy is not one thing. And you can spend a lot of time trying to argue but you have what it is and what it isn't. But the fact is, you have two Jews and you have three opinions. So everyone's going to think about it differently. And to try to drive some kind of uniformity into it is just a fool's errand, in my opinion. Because even people who think they know what it is and want to define it, they're going to find it very difficult to find others, other thoughtful people, I would say who are really going to just buy in and say, yes, that's 100% what it is. So that's one of my takeaways, is that this thing that we consider present-day orthodoxy is really, really hard to define. And lots of people have different opinions with regard to what it is, the different definitions of theology and how important theology is, different definitions of why we do the mitzvot, different definitions of what the Torah is, and the truth as it relates to the Torah. There are multiple truths here. And if you listen to these people carefully and nuance, you will hear the truths as they come through. So that's one takeaway. Really reinforced my initial contention that there are truths here rather than the truth, the one empirical truth. The other takeaway is that there is a huge desire and need to study and talk about theology and philosophy within Judaism in multiple different aspects. And let me explain. So we spoke to Don Seaman, who advocated very strongly for the idea of the greatest study of theology. Zevi Slavin spoke all theology from a Kabbalistic perspective and metaphysics. And then even when we got into conversations with uh, people like J.J. Kimchi and Mark Oppenheimer, there is this idea of, we won't call it theology, but there's this idea that the spirit of what binds us together as one. I argued with some people in the podcast that Judaism maybe should be seen as a religion much more of practice, and we don't have catechisms. But the reality is that people are yearning for a theology, and theology and mysticism is something which brings spirit into Judaism. And even people who don't have it within their tradition are seeking it and trying to find it in other places. And one of the things which really struck me in my conversation with Rabbi Ruben Stepsky was how much he was talking about a connection with God. Because within the Torah, of course, there's the very rational and intellectual part of it but 
underlying all of that is the why. We talked about Ta'ameha Mitzvot, the reasons for the Mitzvot with Daniel Reinhold. Why are we doing it? What is the reason for us and for people to actually be involved with Judaism? And that spirit of it is incredibly important. The other theme which came out really strong throughout my conversations was this tension between on the one hand being very honest about what something is and on the other hand making it relevant what would be on the one hand the unvarnished facts or the actuality of the thing and then making it relevant to people I've said many times that people don't do nuance very well. And one of the reasons why I think that this podcast doesn't have a huge following and why I would be shocked if this podcast got a huge following is because in this podcast, we deal with nuance and uh, we're not about making bombastic statements. We're dealing with things uh, from a nuanced way and we're, I, I hope, at least more thoughtful and uh, people aren't attracted to nuance. People want to know, is it or isn't it? How is this relevant to me? Well, often it's not so clear cut. Often it's complicated. There's different angles to the same thing. And it's not just one thing. It's got a lot of different moving pieces to it. And to understand it in its entirety, one really needs to think deeply and think in a holistic fashion and study a lot. And that studying and working hard intellectually to figure things out is not attractive. You want to you want to hear something and and say yeah that kind of makes sense and run with it. But the reality is that that's not really portraying the whole picture. So how do you take this complicated thing and make it relevant to other people? And that I think. You, we will find throughout the conversations I was trying to push people to grapple with that because I, one of the things which has become more clear to me throughout these conversations is that we need to actually make things simpler but one can't completely ignore the complexities so how do you have that balance so a, a good example of it is the God of Maimonides which is the negative attribute theology where there's nothing positive you can say about God, none of his the attributes really describe him in any kind of meaningful way, this totally abstract God, but how does that relate to me as a human being? So you come down to someone like Rabbi Reuven Stepsky, who's going to say, well, I visualize God as a physical thing. Well, is that really a thing? Is that really God? Well, you feel it's God, but obviously according to my models, it's not God. But then... There's gradations of that because you will find the Kabbalists who will talk about God as there's chesed, there's kindness, there's gvura, there's severity, there's tiferet, there's beauty, all these different attributes of God. And then there's four worlds and there's all these different manifestations of God. And then there was the tzimtzum, there was this great contraction of light and there's the will of God. And those are also, one might say, things which one tries to understand from a human perspective and therefore is that really real is one really connecting to god but maybe it's talked to us in this way as it says that the torah speaks in the in the language of man 
and it says that one can see God from one's flesh in other words by understanding one's flesh in one who one is one's own psychology in a sense one can understand God these are concepts found in the Talmud and in the Kabbalah but is that real? is that really God? or is it the transcendent totally abstract God of Maimonides? are we speaking in the language of people and that's fantasy and not real because what the reality is we're unable to conceive and feels very very unattractive to us which one is it and throughout this podcast i've grappled with this with the people i have conversed with and i don't think there's a clear answer to it I think it's okay for us to live in that tension, understanding that we're never going to get it, yearning for something we can hold on to. But I think it's a mistake if we think that the simplicities and the simple explanations, those cutesy ideas which are presented to us, those things which maybe perhaps even inspire us, is the sum total of all there is. That would be foolhardy to think. We have to understand that these are mere morsels of small bites that have been given to us in order that we can swallow, <laughs> to use the metaphor, versus the wide truth out there, which is very, very hard. And I say the truth, the wide essence of things out there, which is really hard for us to, to grasp. And maybe this is the idea of truths. That there are multiple truths through which we can grasp on small things which all lead us up to the same place. And maybe that is the concept that we should be talking about here. And that's one of the things that I've learned from talking to all these people and hearing all their perspectives. That I've learned that there are so many different approaches. Each one of them is its own truth through which one can gain a grander understanding of that larger abstract thing which brings us closer to the essence of it all and all these things are ideas that we can grasp onto and we're all challenged recognizing that whatever we say is really only a platitude of sorts it's not the real thing because the real thing is totally undescribable and something which we can never grasp but we still need to be inspired we still need to live each day. We still need to feel that we're connecting to something. And therefore, for, for now, these platitudes are enough. Again, the mistake is when we think that these platitudes are all there is. And that's where we can get into some dangerous territory. So I think that's one of my key takeaways from this series on these 10 scholars and really intelligent, smart people who were kind enough to spend time talking to me. I'm very grateful to every single one of them. Now, what's the next season going to be? I want to talk a little bit about the next season. I have always been fascinated with metaphysics and philosophy. My background, as I've spoken about on this podcast many times, I grew up as a follower of the Chabad Hasidic school of thought, of Kabbalah. I studied it to quite a great depth. And I haven't, though studied Hasidut in a number of years. So what I've started to do recently is to reapproach 
that whole field of study of Kabbalah, but from a totally different perspective. I've taken it not from the Hasidic perspective, but from the Kabbalistic perspective itself. And I've started to study, I've had studied in the past uh, the Zohar, but this time I'm starting to study the Ari. And again, I'm taking it from a very different perspective. Once upon a time, I may have studied the Ari as um, the book of truth. This is just how it all happens. This is how the world actually came into being, etc., etc. Where I am today, and perhaps it says you shouldn't study Kabbalah until you're 40 for this reason. Because when you're 40, and I'm 45 now, it's not the study of the facts about God, but more the musings of incredibly intelligent people about metaphysics and about psychology and about the study of God or theology. And as that, it's a really interesting subject to study. So what I'm going to do over the next number of episodes are take ideas from the Kabbalah and describe them and discuss them and teach them in some sense. So next season is going to be Truths, Jewish Wisdom for the Day, all about the study of Kabbalah. And this is uh, a podcast, not just for the benefit of other people out there, but for the benefit of myself. I enjoy it. Hopefully, the things which I'm interested in, there's going to be an audience there which is also interested in it. So I hope you, my audience, is going to be interested in the study of the Kabbalah. And because the next 10 episodes or so are going to be just me talking and learning and teaching ideas from the Kabbalah. So this has been Levi Brackman with Truths, Jewish Wisdom for Today, signing off of the fourth season of the podcast. And again, very grateful to all the listeners. I'm very grateful to all the people who spent time in conversation with me for this podcast. The next number of episodes for the next season is going to be me. I will invite on occasion some other person with deep understanding of the Kabbalah to join me. But it's mainly going to be me talking and studying and teaching ideas from the Kabbalah. I wish you a wonderful, wonderful week. And thank you so much for joining again. Again, if you like this podcast, please leave a review, subscribe, or let me know that you enjoy it. Give me some feedback. Till next time.